the blast from our past network. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human, something always watching, something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone, a dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. Cobra Yeah, I did it <laughs> all in one breath. <laughs> What's up, everybody? If you are from the 80s, you know what Cobra La 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 means. And uh, you know that right now you're listening to TV Obscura by Podcasting After Dark. I don't know where this is going, but I am one-third of the TV Obscura team. I think I'm riding high on the Cobra La 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 thing. Uh, I'm Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Zach the Total Snackhead Schaefer, and my other brother from another mother, Diallo the Armageddon Jackson. What's up, boys? How's it going, Zach? Crashing through the sky. Cobra. 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 <laughs> nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. I'm feeling good, feeling good, feeling pumped to be talking about, hands down, one of my all-time favorite movies, period. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's true. Bold statement. Okay. <laughs> Definitely in my top 20. Diallo, how are you doing, buddy? Can you Can you top that statement? I definitely cannot. Uh, <laughs> don't even know. <laughs> don't even know where to go with uh, with any of that. Um, yeah, it, this is this is gonna be a really fun one. It's taking me right back to the sweet spot of my teenage years. So this will be a good good time. Well, it's it's always a good time when I'm doing TV Obscura with you guys. And as always, we ask that everybody goes and checks out Tudor Lefe with by Dustin and Zach and The First Noel Chronicles by Diallo. Both shows can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are found. I don't know, but go mm, check Podbean. them out. <laughs> Podbean. <laughs> but this week on TV Obscura, we are talking about 1987's G.I. Joe, the movie. Now, I know a lot of people out there is probably like, well, that's not very obscure. Well, you're right. It's not. It's probably one of the most mainstream things you can talk about from cartoons in the 80s. But all three of us grew up loving G.I. Joe, and we realized we don't really have time or, or you know, on the show to really talk about it too much because we're talking about some other fantastic cartoons from our youth that people don't remember. But again, 
We all love, love, love G.I. Joe. So we figured, you know what? I think today, Zach, is the anniversary of uh, the first uh, issue of G.I. Joe by Marvel Comics. Am I correct in that? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I think one of the things that came out of why we wanted to do this episode was the world is once again a little in a little bit of a throwback of a Cold War, so to speak. So, uh, you know, we're, we're it's not like we're doing a patriotic show, but we thought, why don't we do something fun that's uplifting in a militaristic way? And um, yeah, coincides with G.I. Joe's turning 40 this year, uh, the toy line, and uh, it's it's making a, a comeback again, once again, in, in many forms. And um, yeah, this this is this to me is like it's kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's TV Obscura with a little asterisk at the top of it. And you go down to the bottom of the page and you look at that asterisk and it says we can do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> so <right. laughs> uh, it may be not obscure, but you know what? This is our show. So there you go. Yo, Joe. <laughs> and to that point, uh, we had mentioned before we were trying to have our pal Fern on the episode. Uh, unfortunately, he's a little bit under the weather. I think the the vid might have got him, but uh, we wish him the best of luck and, and swift recoveries. Um, so, you know, with what Zach just said, you know, maybe down the road we'll do the same thing with Transformers the movie and uh, have Fern on that episode. Uh, we'll try to have him back for that. So, yeah, I, I do think we'll have Transformers the movie be covered at, at some point on the show. No doubt. And I think um, you know, potentially the, we may do an episode devoted to the most obscure G.I. Joe episodes uh, or our favorite That'd be cool. obscure G.I. Joe episode. And possibly we'll do GoBots the movie if that ever if we ever find a way to track that down on, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, bootleg at this point. Because GoBots in the Battle of the Rock Lords rules. I'm going to already be sick on that day. How dare you? You're gonna pull a fern. <laughs> it's got Roddy McDowell and Margot Kidder. It's covering all those bases. Covering all them bases, baby. I'm sick. Oh, right. Guys, I can't record today. <laughs> well, I'll do. I'll do one better for you. Fern, Fern is here. Fern, what did you want to say? Uh, I just wanted to say that I fucking love GI Joe, and I own. Every single G.I. Joe figure that has ever existed, and I love them all, and uh, I'm going to go back to watching my BTS show, and you are the best. This is the best podcast in the world, And but fuck off, all of you, for making fun of me, for being sick, because <laughs> it's not my fault. And Fatness Everdeen, out. <laughs> Thanks, Fern. Appreciate it. Appreciate the love. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Out. <laughs> I think that's the the most cursing we've ever had on a TV Obscure episode. Ironically. And it came Oops. out of Fern's mouth, weirdly. Yeah. And of course, Blame I use Fern. quotations, quote unquote, Fern's mouth. Hashtag as, we, as we're Fern. slandering the poor this man's family. <laughs> no, for those of you that don't know, sincerely. Fern. That's family. Right. <laughs> Come on, Fern. Fern is a, a dear friend of ours, and we really want him on in some respect uh, to talk about Transformers or GI Joe or anything related to um, He Man or whatever, because yeah. he is a pop culture 
uh, Encyclopedia as well, X-Men perhaps, whatever. Uh, he's in. He's with us in um, in virtual spirit. That's right. That's right. And yeah, he's he's a great dude, and he he knows all the same shit that we do. So yeah, we'll have him on the show at some point in the future. Um, but let's you know before we start talking everything GI Joe because. We really want to use this platform to just just vomit all of our love out for GI Joe, yeah. you know, and because we don't again, we don't really get a chance to do it too often on the show. So I just am going to walk you guys through a little bit of history and background on GI Joe the movie. Uh, we'll do a little bit of some of the voice actors in the movie, like we normally do on a, a movie episode, and then we'll just go straight into our our discussion. So. G.I. Joe the Movie is a 93-minute direct-to-video sequel to G.I. Joe, a Real American Hero TV series. It was produced by Sunbow and Marvel Productions and animated by Toei Animation in Japan. Originally intended as a theatrical release, it came out on video April 20th, 1987 because of the poor box office performance of Transformers the Movie and My Little Pony the Movie. Later, it aired in syndication as a five-part miniseries. couple interesting factoids about the movie. Cobra La was a placeholder name in the script until the writers came up with something a bit more interesting and alien-sounding. But the executives actually fell in love with the name, and it stayed in. In the original script, Duke is supposed to die by Serpentor's snake, uh, and it was actually animated that way. Um, but once Optimus Prime's death sparked such a huge backlash, uh, the dialogue was changed to saying that he was just in a coma. And then there was a dialogue added later saying that he came out of his coma. And then my favorite piece of uh, factoid is Zorana was originally intended to be topless when she removed her dress, but the execs feared that it would get them a PG-13 rating, so they added a bathing suit underneath, which is why her, it looks kind of weird when she puts her top back on and there's a bathing suit underneath of it. Uh, yeah, so Diallo's face, what he's making right now, is my face when I read that because there is uh, a, an alternate timeline out there that has nude Zorana in this uh, in this movie, and my God, do I wish I saw that version. So yeah, so those are some factoids, some behind the scenes on on the movie. Uh, Zach, are there any um, uh, like anybody you want to call out in the cast and crew before we start diving into uh, uh, the you know general discussions? Well, for those that don't know and have never seen the movie, um, th this film, very much like Transformers, the movie highlighted, besides the regular voice cast from the cartoon series, um, had some special guest voices, namely Don Johnson as Lieutenant Falcon, uh, Burgess Meredith as Galobulus, and uh, a couple names that kind of stood out to me that I, I honestly hadn't realized until fairly recently were a part of the cast. Uh, Rob Paulson plays Snow Job. I don't think he, I don't think he played Snow Job uh, in the original series. Um, but goddamn, man, like that added a level of like in uh, credibility to the Snow Job role. You know, the regulars on the show are Michael Bell, who obviously obviously played uh, Duke, and amongst other characters. Shuko Akune plays Jinx, who's and, a great character. 
Yeah, and real quick, I just wanted to call out that I saw her on an episode of Seinfeld. Uh, I believe it was season eight, um, and she played like a receptionist. And whenever I do that show, I kind of also like check the IMDb and see who's in the episode. And I was like, uh, who's Shuko Akune? And I looked it up, and I was like, holy shit, she's Jinx. I told Adam this on air, and he didn't give one shits about it because, <sighs> you know, he didn't watch G.I. Joe growing Be- up. So Because he was not born yet. Exactly, when exactly. <laughs> so I'm glad. <laughs> I'm really glad you called her out. Yeah, and um, you recognize the name, or you recognize this guy's face, Earl Bowen. Oh, yeah. Uh, He was the doctor in the Terminator franchise. Yep. Uh, He plays Taurus, which is one of Sergeant Slaughter's um, marauders. And obviously, Sergeant Slaughter is in this, uh, reprising his role as Sergeant Slaughter. What a stretch. (laughs) Yeah, Sergeant Slaughter playing Sergeant Slaughter. Right. Uh, Peter Cullen plays Nemesis Enforcer, who does a lot of grunting. But he also plays uh, Xandar, um, who is Zorana's brother. And and uh, well, of course. Why am I blanking on the Dreadnoughts leader? <laughs> Zartan. Zartan. <laughs> plays Z- Zartan's brother as well. Thank you. Um, and uh, Hank Garrett. It's funny because Hank Garrett does a lot of cons to this day advertising himself as the voice of dial tone and i'm like he was like he did one voice on the show dial tone was always to me was like kind of a side character that i couldn't really i didn't really care that much about I'm like oh he's a he's a telephone operator guy That's cool. <laughs> uh cell phones would have put him out of business i think uh but anyways Obviously, Don Johnson being the biggest name and Burgess Meredith being the biggest name in this cast, um, to me, stand out. Seeing Don Johnson's name in the credits, this is 87. So Miami Vice was still hot. Yeah. Um, I think it was winding down at this point because I think Miami Vice started in 84. If I'm not correct, I may be incorrect on that. Diallo, you might know specifically what year without looking it up. (laughs) Um, It was 84. But I think this might have. Yeah, I think this might have been towards the tail end of Miami Vice and his movie career taking off. So if this movie would have come out in the theaters, I think it would have been pretty strong. Um, you know, I know Transformers didn't do as well as uh, they had hoped it would and Milo Pony, too. But I think this would have done pretty well. It's got a tremendous fan base. Yeah. And um, the voice of Cobra Commander, Christopher Collins. He, I, I didn't notice. I didn't notice this until I started watch. I, I watched the credits of this movie. He's also always the voice of uh, Gung Ho. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, it is, and he went under the name Christopher Lada. Yeah, as Gung Ho. Okay. So, oh, so he actually switched his name for that. Interesting. Yeah, and Steeler and Breaker. So huh. uh, Breaker was a huge part of the original. You know, first, uh, the first season, obviously, in the. I think yeah, he was dial tone and mainframe kind of took over for for uh, for for breaker yeah. in the second season. And I but always Steeler liked mainframe always, as a kid. I was he was one of my actually one of my favorite Joes uh, action figures that I had was mainframe. Oh, mainframe's awesome, and he has a great storyline with Zorana in an episode of GI Joe. But um, but yeah, he and then he was the voice of Steeler, and Steeler obviously uh, has one of the best GI Joe episodes, Worlds Without End. Um, yes, yep. where he doesn't come back from a portal. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. one of the best episodes ever and scared the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> Dude, it still holds up by the way. Nice. That's why we have to cover kind of an obscure, uh, GI Joe episode 
I'm down with that episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to point that fun fact out. So anyways, I, I'm done talking. Diallo. <laughs> <laughs> Diallo's up. Diallo, you're up. All right. So let's uh, let's let's get into our, our freeform discussion about G.I. Joe the movie, but everything, all things G.I. Joe. I want this to go anywhere we want it to want it to go. Comic books, movies, action figures, uh, as long as it stays G.I. Joe centric. So Diallo, I want to throw it to you. Uh, what is, how about, what is your history with G.I. Joe? Did you grow up watching it? What Did you have the toys? Yada, yada, yada. And then on top of it, um, while you're talking about all that, I also want to know, what did you think of G.I. Joe the movie when you were younger versus what did you think of it today? And then, Zach, I'll throw the same questions at you, and then I'll do it as well. Um, well, I had never actually heard of it until I watched it. Uh, today so this is my first time no i'm just kidding <laughs> just kidding you stinker <laughs> um uh, yeah it's, you know again like we always go back to this i'm a little older than you guys so my um you know first uh encounter with gi joe was when they had the larger figures and like in the 70s and i remember really wanting those um and they kind of disappeared I remember having a dream one time where I got one and I was so happy and then I woke up and I didn't have it. And that was like the first of many dreams I ever had in my life where I got things I wanted in the dream. And then I woke up and, and not in reality. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Just had one last night. Um, but anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> but you know, no. So anyways, you know, so it, it kind of went away. But then I remember distinctly uh, seeing the commercials for the first time and it was like the cartoon and I didn't like it wasn't for the cartoon they were advertising I think it was the comic book actually um and but it was a it was like animated sequence right and it was like it like immediately drew you in kind of didn't know what it was about I remember friends talking about it trying to figure out what it was they had um, advertised the comic book, and then they had the miniseries maybe like a year later or so. Um, and I'm probably totally misremembering the time frame because somebody's out there like it's going to tell me I'm wrong. But I'm just saying what I <laughs> kind of how I remember it in my brain. Yeah. Um, but I remember seeing the first miniseries and just like my mind was blown away. The the mass device uh, mini. And then I, I feel like it was like another year or so when um, the Weather Dominator mini came out and then the actual ongoing series started. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, if you talk about like franchises that had an impact on me, number one, just like almost everybody is Star Wars, but number two was G.I. Joe. And yeah, G.I. Joe was like, you know, I was so into it the almost the entire time from day one all the way up until the first series ended. But then I have a sort of like a funny thing about G.I. Joe the movie because I actually missed it when it came out because that year I was out of the country and I remember coming back and it had already played. So I didn't get to see it until like maybe a year later when they were running it in the, um, the miniseries format. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and so it was like, I, I kind of watched it a little bit after. So it was kind of like, it was kind of jumped around for me. So I was getting introduced to a lot of the characters before I actually saw, um, the movie. I remember, I do remember coming back and my brother telling me that Duke had died. And, um, <laughs> and I kind of was like, uh, making fun of him that he didn't 
but then when I finally saw the movie, I was like, oh yeah, I guess he, <laughs> I guess my brother, he's much younger than me, would have into like he interpreted what he saw, which is what they actually meant to have happen, which is to have him actually die, and so. Um, anyways, so yeah, like I loved it. I loved the franchise. I had like all the toys. I remember like um, watching the movie today. I remember seeing like there was this combo of like uh, Snake Eyes and Swift Kick. You always used to kind of pair up together, you know, quick the martial kick. arts brothers. Yeah, Quick Kick. Yeah. You know, obviously Storm Shadow. Uh, remember sending the, the UPC codes or whatever away to get the figures. I got the first Duke figure that oh, i had to cool. send away to get um had lots of the vehicles you know just like i just i had i had a ton of gi joes a, a snowmobile my first one i think was flash with the jump uh, jet i think that was the very first gi joe i got clutch with oh wait the, the one did you have the red uh the red padded chest thing yeah and then the visor that yeah. was my first uh gi joe action figure too dude. oh and nice I loved yeah his, i love this plastic visor yeah. and everything yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah that was my very first one and then uh yeah and i had the you know the jeep the with the with the i think it was called a jeep um with clutch and yeah Sky Striker, which is like my favorite, one of my favorite yeah. toys of all time. Um, the best. And you yeah. showed us, you showed us offline your your Sky Striker that you still have yeah. in your possession. Is that yours, or did you have to buy it like like used or something? Um, no. So it was. I actually don't know where my original ones were, but a friend of mine actually gave them, gave it to me, gave me that oh, and wow. uh, Millennium Falcon um, some years ago. Um, because I kind of was, he was, he had all the figures and was just kind of looking at him. And I was like, oh man, that used to be my favorite. And he's like, you want it? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, <That's awesome>. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, and, I, what you, and so watching G.I. Joe the movie uh, recently, just now, like all of us, uh, how, how did you think it held up compared to your sort of your, your memory of it? Well, see that that's so that this is like I don't know if you wanted to start with me because I actually don't have like super great things to say about the movie. I actually never I didn't really like it when it came out. Like I I just was like oh I don't this just wasn't doing it for me, you know. Um, and by that time, I think the shine of GI Joe was starting to wear off, and that's not controversial. I think especially if you watch yeah. uh, Toys That Made Us, like there was just some changes going on behind the scenes. But I didn't. I didn't hate it. Um, but watching it again, I, like I, there was some years. I don't know. Were you there with us, Corey? When we, uh, I know Zach, you were there when we went to the screening of uh, GI Joe the movie and Transformers the movie. Um, was no. that at the Egyptian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was at the Egyptian. Yeah, in that was the last time I had seen it before this time. And I remember that last time I was just like, we watched Transformers first, and I liked that one. But then we watched GI Joe, and I was like, oh man. It just, I don't really, I didn't really like it. But I don't know. This time I watched it and I actually appreciated it much better for a lot of different things. One of the reasons might be because I was watching it in in 4D and I was able on a really big screen close up and I was really able to look at the animation and appreciate that. Um, And then also having like, actually writing now and producing my own content I was actually kind of looking at the way the story was structured and I was like a lot easier on 
it than I was back then because it's like a movie, but it's trying to do a lot of different things. And they did the best they can introducing new characters because of toys. And then it also was being broken up into different parts. So it doesn't have the normal flow that you think a movie would have. But I never was the biggest fan of the movie. But the opening sequence is one of the greatest G.I. Joe moments of my entire life. <laughs> and, and and real quick, I, um, one of our full talking points will be that intro. So let me just ho- hold your thoughts okay, on yeah, that. Because yeah. as soon as I get all of our, our initial thoughts, the first thing we're going to talk about is the intro. Because that intro is fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, and and uh, Zach, what uh, what about you, buddy? What is your, what is your history with G.I. Joe? What is your history with G.I. Joe the movie? And how does it hold up now compared to when you were younger? Well, when I was when I was a kid, my mom was very much against anything with violence uh, in it at all. You know, and the G.I. Joe toy line came out when like 82 or 83. And at that point, I was uh, six years old, six or seven. You know, I begged my mom for G.I. Joe's and she was like, nope, nope, there's violence, there's guns, you can't have them. And I remember walking home from and my dad was a former Navy SEAL, but my parents had divorced at this point. So like my dad wouldn't buy me any toys. And then my mom would only buy me like wooden toys, you know, and so or Sesame Street stuff. And um, I remember coming home from school one day and I saw a Joe figure on the ground. It ended up being Grunt. That was my first figure. And I got him and I hid him under my pillowcase. Later find out that my mom said she knew I had that Joe figure. She found it and didn't say anything to me. Just like she found all of Eric's porno mags. <laughs> no, she supplied him with those porno mags. That's a whole other story. Go back in our archives for that tidbit. Um, yeah, but, oh, of course, you know, heaven forbid she gets me a figure with a with a little blaster gun. And, um, yeah, I, I coveted him for a while. And then she's like, well, I'm going to take you to Kmart and you can pick out three G.I. Joes, but they have to be the least violent figures. <laughs> the least violent and, ones. Yeah. So I picked out Blowtorch because my... <laughs> Jesus, which is the worst way to die in war, probably. <laughs> yeah, uh, because my dad was a firefighter. I picked out uh, Shipwreck because my dad was a sailor. And I picked out Navy SEAL. And I picked out Spirit because he was an... Oh, because he's a Native American. So I had like the village people of G.I. Joe's. Uh, but again, I coveted those things like they were like gold to me. And the rest, like it all went uphill from there or downhill, I get depending on how you look at it. Um, I was addicted to G.I. Joe. I got every figure. I didn't really have many of the vehicles when I was a kid. If I did, they get ended up getting destroyed by my older brother. And I would interchange the bodies. You know, I'd make I wanted to make a John McClane figure. So I, got, I took a guy who had a tank top like a generic Joe, like a knockoff and put his legs on quick kick and I made him into a John McClane and painted his feet red. Um, like I had, I held onto my Joes and I played with my Joes until I was in my mid teen years. And I would like hide that from my friends cause I was embarrassed that I was playing with toys. You know, uh, I don't believe in regrets, but I do think that if I was to ever change something, that would be one thing I definitely would change. Just being open about my nerddom of toys in cartoons because like who gives a shit, right? Um, and so I was addicted to all things G.I. Joe. I watched the episodes as much as I could. Um, you know, back in the day when we were all kids, if you missed one episode, that was it. You probably never saw it again. So there were a few episodes from the third season that I missed. 
uh, and I'm now rewatching them and going, oh, I never watched this one. It's pretty awesome that I'm getting to rediscover Joe. But uh, you could also, they would release some of the episodes on VHS, right? The, the, like Diallo talked about, the miniseries were on VHS. Um, some selected episodes were on VHS. And so I would rent those over and over and over and over again. And just again, addicted to Joe. And then the movie came out. And I was so excited for that because I love Transformers the movie, uh, heard about the G.I. Joe movie, watched it, loved it then. Then the miniseries, it got turned into a miniseries on TV, watched that over and over again, um, rip, would rent it repeatedly, and then didn't watch it for like decades. And then Diallo and I and Fern uh, saw it at the Egyptian, like, like Diallo was saying, the piggyback with Transformers. And I was like nerding out, you know, doing my nerd clap. Oh my God, oh, just because I hadn't seen it in so long. And I had such an, uh, an, such a nostalgia love for it. Uh, and then now re-watching it several times with my son, with Bodie. Uh, a couple years ago when, when Bodie kind of started to phase out of Masters of the Universe and got, got into G.I. Joe, we watched it then. It terrified him then, and he never wanted to watch it again. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I loved it, but that's cool. Uh, but then we recently rewatched it. He goes, I think I want to watch this again. And I said, well, turns out we're going to, I'm doing an episode with Diallo and, and Corey uh, for Podcasting After Dark. So it's perfect timing. He's like, okay, cool. And he loved it. At one point, he out loud goes, this is a really good movie. And I go, yeah, it is. I love it too. And so, uh, where I come in with that is my hot take is that, you know, season three of, or the season end of season two was the, the, the writing was getting weak. They were really trying to focus on the newer characters to sell the toys. So a lot of the characters that we cherished and loved like storm shadow, like snake eyes, like quick kick, like spirit, we're kind of going bye-bye, you know, and they're focusing on like sci-fi and low light. And, and I don't have a problem with that, but I was just like, man, those are not my favorite characters. Um, this movie though, to me is like the end, what should have been the end of GI Joe storyline wise, yeah. you know, because what came, what transpired after this movie was a God awful uh, season three that really, tries to connect the movie and it kind of does in a somewhat cool way, but man, it goes downhill really fast. It is like, there's a movie called Manhunter where this character gets tied up to a chair and set on fire and he's <laughs> rolled down a, he's rolled down a garage ramp, you know, and a driving and he just flames in to the camera. And it's like, that is season three. It's like, you can see it in the distance. It's on fire. And you're like, Oh, this is going to be a train wreck. This, Oh, here it comes. And it hits you in the face. But, and by the it's, way, I think that character was played by Stephen Lang too. It was, he was oh, wow. the, uh, the tattle, tattletale. <laughs> yeah. Like he was the, he was the tabloid reporter. Yeah. And he had the curl, um, like that curly hair. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. yeah. Good analogy, so by the way. <laughs> great, oh, thanks. Great I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. I wanted to go deep, you know, obscure yeah. for yeah, obscura. And, um, yeah, I felt like this was this was the perfect ending to the the the, the GI Joe series. Um, you know, like you said, Duke was originally supposed to die, and it makes total sense. Um, and I, but I, but at the same time, I appreciate that they didn't kill him because I love Duke. 
I really, he's one of my favorite characters. You know, originally Falcon was supposed to be Hawk's son. Yeah. And they changed that around, uh, which would have been a different dynamic, but it makes sense now because that is, you know, his relationship uh, with Falcon, Duke's relationship with Falcon um, is strained or whatnot. And, you know, we'll get into the nitty gritty of what I liked and, and didn't like, but it is definitely a much darker tone than the actual series. Yeah. Um, which, you know, for a six-year-old or five-year-old, it's too intense. For a now seven-year-old, he loved it. And, um, you know, I think seeing it through the lens of my son gives it a different nostalgic flavor. If it was just me watching it solo, I may not appreciate it as much as I do now. But it, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where the series is for me. And, and for those that don't know, I, we've cosplayed G.I. Joe. Um, I make a damn good flint. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Bodhi's favorite character is Cobra Commander. So he's like... And Bodhi makes a damn good Cobra Commander. He sure does. And my wife makes a damn good Lady J. And, um, and, and I said, you should be Jinx and I'll be Falcon. She's like, no, that's just that's messed just, up. That's just racist. <laughs> that's just racist. Uh, <laughs> I love how Femme French just shot it down right away. Yeah. No, no, I'll be Lady J. Um, Uh, I got to get that picture from you. I'll post it if you if you allow me to. I'll post it in the the show notes for this episode. Yeah, please do. Please do. I'll just button up this this little bit by saying, you know, I get I get what works and what doesn't. But, oh, I will say um, I would have loved to have seen spirit in this movie, you know, because they did a good job of kind of just sprinkling in some of the original guys in the yeah. cast from the original series. And Spirit, to me, was always such a, like, a, I don't know, a legit badass. Yeah. Uh, he was, and, you know, for me, I would have loved to have seen a standalone episode of Spirit and um, uh, Snake Eyes because, because like, they kind of counteracted each other. Like, Spirit spoke for Snake Eyes, you know. Uh, but, yeah, th- this movie holds a very special place in my heart. And um, I'm so glad it's, you know, got those the beautiful 4K treatment or whatever. Uh, or It's got a Blu-ray. I got the Blu-ray. I got the, the, the whole thing. Yeah. 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 And uh, my nice. God, G.I. Joe all day. But enough <laughs> about me. Corey, <laughs> what's your relationship with the Joe? I'm, I'm a, a, a combination of the two of you. Um, I grew up loving G.I. Joe. I'm, I'm younger than, than both of you. I was born in 78. So this hit, you know, right at the perfect time for me when I was, uh, nine years old and I was already into G.I. Joe and everything. Um, I remember, I mean, I actually, you know, it's like I don't remember my childhood without G.I. Joe. That That's how prominent it was for me. And like Diallo said, it's like I think it was always Star Wars first. If I had a choice between action figures, I would always want a Star Wars action figure first. But G.I. Joe, I would, I had a, so many. They, I probably had almost as many G.I. Joes as I had, I had Star Wars figures and, and vehicles and everything. And then less, like it started going down less with like Transformers and stuff. I actually didn't have a lot of Transformers. I usually had more G.I. Joes. I love the vehicles. Um, I had that red Cobra jet that was freaking huge. Um, but Diallo, I didn't have the one you had, um, the, the Joe one. Um, I had the helicopter when they repainted everything as the tiger stripes and everything. I loved that. Um, I had the three pack from, from this movie with nemesis enforcer, uh, Galobulus. And, and what did it come with? Like one of those guards, 
uh, I one think of the guards. Maybe, yeah, yeah, which I I love the design of them too. I wish it had a Pythona because I loved her. Um, I was all in on GI Joe pretty much from day one of my fucking life. That being said, whenever the GI Joe movie came on. I always groaned because I knew that this entire week was going to be this movie. And and, I'm, and don't worry, it's going to come back around. But I never loved this in pieces. I Because there's certain scenes that I do like, but then I would know that like, oh, tomorrow's episode is pretty much going to be, I'm not going to care at all because it's the shit that I don't care about, you know? So weirdly, when I was a kid... I would have preferred to have just seen random G.I. Joe episodes, you know, like the one where they go to the alternate dimension or the one where Shipwreck gets captured and, and, and you know, they're fucking with his head and people yeah, melt in it. Springfield. Yeah. yeah, the Springfield episode or the one where the fucking Cobra creates the blob and the yeah, only the way germ, they can stop yeah. it is by luring it into a, a an apple orchard because I know this, <laughs> uh, if you eat too many apple seeds, they're poisonous. And I know that because of G.I. Joe. Joe. Um, and I would have always rather watched any of those aside from the movie. And maybe it's because I never saw the movie as a whole, because now when I go and watch it as a whole unit versus uh, a split up, I agree with what Diallo says. It has a weird flow to it because mm-hmm. it's not quite a movie and it's it's like this weird amalgamation of a TV show and a movie so it has a really weird pacing and flow to it um, but I enjoyed it much more as a as a whole thing versus chopped up and I really liked how much attention to detail all the different characters and vehicles got and I'm watching it and I'm like yeah, I know at at 44 that this this cartoon is meant to sell things to me, but it's really fucking cool that the the cartoon characters and the cartoon vehicles look exactly like the toys and they are 100% the same scale and everything. I'm watching that now and I'm like that's really fucking awesome. Like it makes me want to play with the toys at age 44. Uh, so I, I think the movie's fantastic now. Um, I do think it has its problems. Maybe we'll discuss it here or whatever. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I like it so much more as a whole versus chopped up in individual pieces. And that's sort of where I stand on that. They missed the boat on releasing certain figures. Like you said, Pythona, they should have released. I know there was that stigma back then that boys won't play with the girl characters, like whatever. That's bullshit. We had Bar- Baroness, we had Scarlet, we had Lady J. You know, <laughs> I right? know. I, I agree. They they should have released them, and we they should have released. They never released a big lob. Um, yep, they didn't. And they sh- they dropped the ball on that. They dropped the ball on that. <laughs> uh, big lob drops the ball. They, they released the uh, they released the whole Marauder set, which was cool, uh, as well as a three pack. And I, I agree with what you're saying, too, about them breaking it up, it messed with the flow, because it, I, it's not a movie that I think you can do that with in 20-minute in segments or 20-minute episodes. And also, I don't know about you, Corey, but Diallo and I grew up in the Bay Area around the same time. Maybe, actually, you might have been out of town when the—you might have been in, in another country when the miniseries played on TV, on, ch- like, Channel 44— but it played over and over and over again. They would like they would do it one week and then you'd have a week of like of like regular episodes and then they would do it again and again. And I'm like, dude, how many times? 
I get it. You know, not everybody has a VCR, people. But having you, 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 you get excited. All you want to do is come home at the end of the day, end of the day, and watch cartoons, right? You get home and it's the same damn episode where we've got to like have a that long ass backstory on, I don't know, Cobra Commander again. You know, getting turned into his the snake. And yeah. You're like, oh, this is such a bummer episode. Ooh, was a bummer, man. man. Was a man. <laughs> And you're Come like, on, that, fool. that shit's kind of like, yeah. Try to right. be cool. <laughs> that is kind of like boring, especially when you know it's coming. Like, you know, like when every day is different and syndicated, you're like, oh, what episode is it today? But when you're when you're balls deep in the week of the movie, you're like, well, I know next tomorrow's episode is going to be yada, yada, yada. But one thing that I never, ever got sick of was the new intro that came with the this miniseries and in and, and I think what season three or whatever when they added the new intro. But when you watch it in this in the movie, there's so much more to it. There's so many more verses to the song and everything. But it's it's unfucking believable it is so good it's so fantastic and before i throw it to diallo because i do want to hear your thoughts on it my favorite part of the whole entire thing is when duke has his jetpack on he flies up plants the bomb <laughs> underneath of the, the the cobra thing and then he jumps off with his with his legs and with sort of legs. pushes that's yeah, so cool so fucking cool but that intro is bananas good diallo i cut you off earlier when you wanted to talk about it Bro, let's all, all right, we're going to talk about the intro now. Buddy, what did you think of it? And I just want to add one thing. Just uh, everybody add their their favorite part like you just did, Corey. Yeah. Their favorite part from the intro. Yeah, that was so that was mine when Duke pushes off after planting oh, the bomb. Oh, so yeah. good. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. On the winter solstice, when the lasting darkness threatens to descend upon the land of Atalan once united, Magi in training, Wilt Garen, and his shepherd, warrior in training, Bredain Adair, must find an ancient lost weapon before the ultimate ancient evil returns to the world of Aeos. Hi there, I'm Adiello Jackson, writer of the First Noel's Chronicle podcast. The First Noel is an epic, family-friendly adventure told in serialized form. Think of it as Lord of the Rings meets, well, Christmas. Join us each week for the next thrilling chapter of The First Noel, now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and all major podcasting apps, as well as Kindle Vela if you want to take a read. Thanks, and see you in Adelan. The Winter Tell is almost here. And now, back to the show. Yeah. Well, my favorite part, I think it... I, I, can I... Oh, I'll take one. Um, I kind of had two. But... Uh, uh, Dude, no, you can do two. It's you okay. can do there, two. There's no rules here. This is TV Obscura. Have and fun I, with it, buddy. Yeah. I mean, actually, the part that you were saying with uh, with Duke, like, I just... I remember, like, way back in the day, I just loved the animation of it, the flow of his body as he hits the... Um, oh. The blimp or whatever, and then just kind of bounces back. I just used to like so good fixate on how that was even done, but that that's not one of them. But um, um, it's when you know Snake Eyes he jumps on the top of the that trouble bubble, the trouble bubble, trouble bubble. flips over yep. and gets in it and takes off. Um, but then the oh, other one is so when uh, there's that I think they're called bats, the the those yep. bat chips, and then um, Alpine 
you shoots his little rope and he's flying behind it and he gets on top and then he punches the glass and oh yeah yeah that i actually kind of i stole that scene for uh for one of the (laughs) comics that i'm putting out (laughs) when it when it finally comes out people get to see it i totally like just i love that sequence so much of just like being in the air and just punching the glass on a on a jet it's really cool um yeah that 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 sequence like it's to me it's what gi joe is and kind of like what you were saying before zach about like that the movie actually should have been like the end of the series i actually really feel like that opening sequence is the for me is the end of gi joe like once Mm -hmm. it once it ends like because because I'm not the biggest fan of the movie, but even I think you both would agree, the movie goes off into this different realm that the series has never been. So up yeah. until that point, it is like it just kind of puts a point on what GI Joe is, and like, as soon as that, as soon as they are on the Statue of Liberty and it fades out, like that's GI Joe ends for me, like the GI Joe that I like I knew. Um, but it's it's the music, it's the it's like the fanfare of it. Um, it's like that unabashed, like you know, celebratory kind of like they. It just I just love it. I love it so much. I used to have um, the sound, um, and I play it. You know, like when we were able to start downloading MP3s and stuff. I found one, and I would just play it. I had it like on like workout tape or something. I just, I just, I don't know. I just love the music. I love the animation of it. It's just like it was the best animation. Like we always talk about that for. Um, yeah, it really is for every shows. But like it was the best animation. Yeah, it just oh, it's just so good. It it, yeah. it was like everything that you had experienced for. It was almost like it's almost like. Um, the portal sequence and Endgame when everybody shows up for one yeah, like for totally. one last time. That's kind of what that's like. It's just like <clears throat> every everybody that you've known up to that point all shows up. And Spirit actually, it's funny that you mentioned Spirit because I remember kind of seeing him sitting on a on a ledge in that sequence. She just just this last time I was watching it. I just I don't know why I noticed it for the first time, but he's just like you just everybody's there and it's just great. Yeah. And I just I love it so much and I can just actually watch that opening sequence again and again and again and over the years i've done that i just will go back and i'll just watch it and uh so good yeah yeah i'm I'm gonna agree with you buddy it's like that is the best gi joe thing like ever you could just show me that i could just watch that over and over again it just it's it epitomizes everything that i love about gi joe and even yeah the 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 hyper patriotism and everything is is reminds me of a bygone era and everything but it's it also it just there's something amazing about it like the action the way it flows the camera is always moving and i think in animation we're so used to the the you know the filmation style of things very much like left to right and whatnot which you know we all love this is no knock on filmation or anything but seeing that much camera movement in the intro was just unfucking believable and yeah i think it exemplifies i guess that's that's toei studios you know did that exemplifies what they're good at and it's absolutely fucking fantastic um zach what are your thoughts on on that intro yeah i i'm i'm the same with both of you guys i've watched it countless probably 
I watched that opening more times than I've actually watched the full movie. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that that opening could be the ending of G.I. Joe. Uh, and then the movie could be the launch of what should have been the next version of G.I. Joe. It, it really should have, if you think about it, because outside of, I think Falcon carried over into the new series. He was addicted to drugs on yeah, one episode and Wait, it's, it's a weak episode. It's actually a really weak episode. Um, and, and they never, they abandoned every single thing. You know, they wrapped the Serpentor gets turned into a lizard in season three. And then the Cobra commander gets brought back with his, steel outfit that it, it there's an explanation as to why he wears that steel outfit but then that gets abandoned for his hood that he only wears when he's in casual mode and then they don't bring the silver mask back which is lame the the armored cobra commander was one of my favorite toys as a kid um and yeah i'm with you actually of the hooded cobra commander versus the masked you know steel uh, whatever plastic see-through mask i prefer that uh that would be my number one and yeah and by the way the the, the helmet is for when he's in battle and then the hood yes. is for is like ceremonial when he's at just cobra base you know yeah that was one of the fail one of the many fails of the uh deke era of gi joe because they they just abandoned all of those the, of what are all those canon things, right? And then they had this cool idea with that armored suit. Well, that's what keeps him in his, you know, human state or whatever element of that. And then they totally abandoned that too, which is lame. Um, so I, I would have loved, I like the idea in our little universe that we're creating now that the movie is the continuation of G.I. Joe into the next wave. Falcon becomes the new... Uh, Duke, you know, yeah. and then, uh, you know, Flint is of mainstay. By the way, it's funny because oftentimes people are like, you know, Duke is the leader of G.I. Joe. Well, he was, but it really seemed the second half of season one going into season two, Flint became the leader in many aspects of it. Um, they I were was, like by of, the way, I was always a Flint guy. I liked him better than Duke as a kid. I, I just, yeah, there's some, there's an edge to him that was pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, that, the, that opening is beautiful. Uh, it reminds me so because I think Remo Williams came out around the same time. They had just <laughs> redone the Empire State or the Empire, the uh, Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And so all that fanfare was inspired by the 100th anniversary of the Statue of Liberty uh, in Ellis at at Ellis Island. I, it's a toss up between my favorite scene between that or favorite moment, whether it's Duke launching off, launching off the carrier, uh, the Cobra carrier or snake eyes flipping into the trouble bubble, yeah. which I've rewound and paused and slow mode so many times back in the day. I'm like, how did they do that? How did snake <laughs> eyes do that? It's so cinematic. It is. It is. I agree. I think it is probably as far as American, I know it was made overseas, but American cartoons are concerned. And, and we can technically say it's a television uh, show because it was made for TV it is it is by far to me that is up there at the as at the highest level as optimus prime you got the touch moment in transformers the movie like those two th moments just are parallel to me it's beautifully stunning and like diallo said every every character is in that opening you know and and it's so cool because it it like 
to me, it pays respect to the audience. You know, not every kid liked Duke. Not every kid liked um, Shipwreck. But, you know, some people liked super obscure characters. Some people thought Alpine was the coolest character. That's cool. I dig that, too. I think Alpine is hilarious, by the way. And um, my also my hunch, too, is how they killed so many characters in Transformers the movie. I think they probably were doing the same with Alpine, Bazooka, and yeah. Gung-Ho. Fortunately, they did not in the movie. Um, but yeah, it's just a beautiful piece of animation, and it's super nostalgic. That song is catchy as hell. It is. It's so good. It, it, to, it, like, I think you show that scene to cynical kids of today, and they'll still love it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just beautiful. Like... What it's it's ship um shipwreck gets his hat shot off right at one point I think so uh, yeah and 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 or and hawk is shooting his machine gun and the clips are actually actually the shells are coming out of it too which I thought was awesome yeah yeah that was as a kid I always liked that shot because the camera comes in on hawk as he's firing and it's actually shooting out the shells from his gun and it's not like a laser bolt it actually looks like it's a gun oh it's real bullets it's really fucking cool it's really fucking cool and then down to Cobra Commander screaming and like they do that that three clip scene of like yeah. retreat when he's screaming retreat yeah and they do it in the three frames it's yeah. so cool so it's so well done uh, yeah yeah it's, the whole thing is adrenaline pumping it is and it's a great way to sort of set the stage for the for the movie it's like an intro for the movie but it almost happens in that world too because the next scene is serpentor basically berating them for failing something you don't know what it is but you can assume that it's just what just happened so it's nice because it creates an opening but at the same time it makes it in world as well um i do want to basically open up just to a Freeform discussion about anything you want to throw out um, about the movie or G.I. Joe or whatever you want to you've always wanted to talk about with G.I. Joe, the toys or comic books, whatever. So I'm going to start by saying one thing that I really loved about this movie was the attention to detail that it gave the the figures, the toys. And I'm not going to refer to characters. I'm going to refer to them as toys. And I loved how for, for Cobra, you got to see the Cobra soldiers. You got to see the Crimson Guard. You got to see the Techno Vipers. You got to see the Vipers. You got to see all of them in like a natural setting like like you know cobra soldiers were carrying the were in the trouble bubble the crimson guard are like the elites and they're closer to cobra commander and serpentor and as i'm watching it now i'm impressed by how they understood how the filmmakers understood the hierarchy of cobra command and everything and then in that, because I always loved the um, the Crimson Guard, are always my favorite. Uh, I loved in that fight scene with uh, uh, Pythona, where she throw like gasses one guy and he takes off his helmet. Like, oh my god, that blew my mind as a kid that he took off his helmet, you know. And then I really liked how when they're in the snow, they actually gave the they upgraded everybody's designs to have jackets. Now, of course, it's a little silly sometimes with like thrasher or uh, uh zartan where like their arms are exposed but you know what as, as a kid i was like i'm i still gave them a pass because i was like at least you tried because even the vipers have like snow jackets on and and i think even as a kid i understood that you had to redesign that you know like that took 
some effort to do. And I understood that the, the easy way to do it would have been to not draw jackets on them. You know what I mean? And I was impressed that they did that. And then I was also impressed watching it this time just how well they utilized all the toys and all the vehicles and how good they looked just on the screen. And it just, wow, it just inspired me to want to play with my toys. So I think as, as, as a piece of property, this movie, there to sell toys, I think it does a fantastic job. And I like all of that stuff. Diallo, you can comment on anything I just said, or you can just go on to something else you like. Your call, my friend. But uh, whatever, the floor is yours, my friend. <laughs> you know, I, life's too short to like. Talk. I, I don't have anything bad to say about the movie. Like, like I said, I don't. I didn't particularly like it, but it, I never hated it. It just, yeah, yeah, I didn't. It was it. You know, watching it again this last time, it's. I really understood what I didn't like about it, and it just. I I never liked. Um, it just it felt like a really big retcon, and it was unlike. You know, it felt like it undermined like everything that I thought like GI Joe was, and I'm I some retcons work for me perfectly. This one just didn't. Um, I didn't. I don't like the sort of like mystical sci-fi element that they brought in to the extent that they brought it in. I know that it like. Yeah, I was thinking about it when they had that that uh, you know Dune worm <laughs> that they were fighting. Um, uh, I was thinking about how if it was just that one worm that had showed up in one episode, I wouldn't have minded it. I thought it would have been cool, but the whole movie was kind of that. I did, and so, but I know I understand that that was the underpinning of everything, which was that they had an organic sort of um, civilization. I just. Just, it just didn't flow for me, you know? Um, and, and can I just can I just really quick comment that yeah. I uh, if you asked, like, 10-year-old Corey, I would have 100% agreed with you then, and I think that was one of the things I didn't like about it back then. Mm-hmm. But watching it now, and I get why you don't like it, but watching it now, I actually kind of enjoyed it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I thought the, the, the designs that came from it were, were fun. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, I would have preferred to see... Like vehicles fighting vehicles versus Joe's fighting monsters. So yeah. I, 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 I just feel you is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I and it's like you know, I just I might have enjoyed it better if it was all like a technical version of that, you know, and it looked more like you just said. Um, but then you know, but also again, Nemesis Enforcer is just like she fuck, fucking just, awesome. Yeah, he's just like <laughs> bad. Like that was like my takeaway. Like when yeah. I watched it, I was like, yeah, but Nemesis Enforcer, you know. So <laughs> yeah, but Python is hot. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, it's but it's just kind of like I by that time in GI Joe, I was I was whining off of it kind of. Um, I, I I wasn't really big on like the Serpentor thing. Like, um, it was fine, but I, I just didn't, I didn't, I, I liked that dynamic of, you know, Cobra Commander and Destro and the Baroness and, you know, it, they changed it, but then it really changed when they got to the movie. Um, but I, you know, I wanted to say like, again, so I'm a little older. So by the time, like I was playing with GI Joe's when I was younger, like, uh, 10, 11, 12, right around there. 
Um, but then, you know, I was sort of like forced to get a, get a, like stop playing with toys. Um, went into high school. Um, I think I stopped collecting that stuff. Um, but in those earlier days, I was getting, I was reading the GI Joe comic book at the same time that I was watching like the cartoon and those were two completely different experiences. Like, Oh, totally. Yeah, the yeah, GI totally. Joe comic book to me, like, like it is some of the like most impactful, iconic story elements <laughs> that I can think of, like in terms of like, of like, like comics. And I, like I had been reading them for years up to that point, but it was just like, there were so many things story-wise that were kind of like groundbreaking that like years later they would do on TV, but it's like had been done like 10, 20 years before on GI Joe. Um, and they and had more no mature, problem killing more, more. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, more, I think I'm saying what you're saying. You're saying it's more mature and I'm agreeing with you. Uh, there were people died left and right in yeah. the GI Joe comics, especially yeah. ninjas. No problem yeah. killing ninjas. <laughs> right. And there was the whole, you know, there was the whole uh like Snake Eyes um he and uh, there was a character named Dr. Venom and uh and uh Quinn the Eskimo and they out, there was this whole deal with like they out. They were in this bunker, and it blew up. And like we, we all thought Snake Snake Eyes had get, gotten killed. It was kind of like earlyish, uh, like six episodes, six or seven issue, six or seven. Um, then you found out that they weren't, but then they had to escape. And it was just, it was just, it was crazy. And then it was this whole thing about him trying to get back. And then there's that iconic now that um, the silent episode when um, when Scarlet. Yeah, yeah yes. I remember reading that for the first time and just. Like I still that the moment when like it's it's embedded in my head when Snake Eyes uh, catches the uh, I think it's like a crossbow or whatever like that's about to yeah. hit Scarlet and that actually that issue is partly what inspired um, um, the Dark characters from Angela in the Dark because I really got okay. cool kind of obsessed with that idea of like characters that don't really talk. Um, and I used to start, you know, just because of that, I used to draw these characters and try to figure out how to do storytelling without, like, words. So in Angel in the Dark, they, like, when their costumes are on anyways, you don't really have any dialogue from the characters. Um, so, yeah, awesome. like, there's just, there's, you know, the comic books, I had those, uh, the uh, sort of, like, the Marvel Universe G.I. Joe battle, whatever, whatever yeah, they were. The, the, yeah. yeah, the yeah. classified or some Yeah, Joe the one that has, like, Rocky or... Balboa in yeah. it. Like I the, one, yeah, I had the one, yep. Yeah, yep, really Rocky that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, like, it, it, I, I think the comic books and, like, I, I obviously I watched the cartoon, um, and I loved the cartoon. I, like, rushed home every day to watch it. Um, it was, like, that one-two punch between that and Transformers. Um, but it was the comic book that really um, had like a deeper impact on me. Those first, those earlier issues, um, and then there was um, they had GI Joe Special Missions, which was uh, yep. like yep. A, I remember. I, I think I only got a few episodes, but that first issue I loved because they finally fought. They they are actually being an anti-terrorist force. So they didn't fight Cobra in, like, I think the first story. There was, like, getting somebody <laughs> off in an airplane, I forget. And um, I just, I was so, like, thrilled with that. I was like, yeah, they're, they're finally, it just because they, 
always fighting Cobra. I ever, I never actually understood Cobra. I didn't understand like like how you could actually like hire people. Like why? How could you get people like on your? Like, I'm watching this movie and just like the random Cobra guys who are yeah. like just working the monitors and stuff. Like what are they getting paid? Like what yeah. are they the getting out of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the televipers or something. You know, like yeah. what are they getting out of this? You yeah. know. <laughs> I used to read those cards on the back of the figures and like the Cobra troopers they had like the cobra like soldier and then cobra elite and i used to try to figure out like where, where's this guy from like what yeah <laughs> what's he doing, he doing? Yeah. like there's there's so many of them i just didn't i never really understood it so yeah yeah and then the whole like i in the comic book and is and they i think they do it in the um the cartoon as well i think um that whole idea of springfield where there was that whole town yeah um yeah. where yeah. they kind of and that that made it make a lot more sense um, so they were, but anyways, uh, yeah, it, GI Joe is, is great, but, um, that, that opening sequence, man, whoo, like I, I, <laughs> I watched, you know, it's funny cause I started to watch the movie, uh, like a few days ago and then I was traveling and I, I had to stop within like 10 minutes <laughs> and then I started to watch it again today. And I just was like, you know what? I'm going to watch that opening sequence again. <laughs> yeah, you got to. You got like, there's to. never yeah. a time when it's not worth watching. You know, it's like every time. It's just great. Hey, everyone. Co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. Zach, anything, buddy? You can build off of what uh, Diallo and I just said, or you can go off in your own tangent, whatever you want to talk about. Well, a couple things. Yeah, there there's a there's a clear tonal shift in this movie versus the TV series. Um, you know, as a whole, there were some really dark episodes of GI Joe. Really dark, really creepy. Um, there's one where Lady J goes to uh, Ireland or Scotland and turns out she's related to Destro in one episode, you know, and that was a really dark almost like paganist paganish like a wicker man type episode, you know, but this, the, the tone was different for this. There were elements of drama in this. I, I, I want, I want to point out that Ron Friedman wrote the screenplay for this. He also wrote the screenplay for transformers, the movie, same writer. So, um, that's an interesting little fact toyed because, you know, if you look at the two movies as a whole, they, they share very similar elements, right? Killing off the main character, um, you know, a new hero emerging and et cetera, et cetera, uh, being a little brash or whatnot. Um, you know, I, I think that I look at this movie now with the, the lens. I look at it now 
uh, it, it's like a horror film in many ways, sci-fi horror. If I, when I was a kid, I think there was a little bit of a disconnect because I didn't have the monsters that they were battling. I wanted to recreate the scenes. I always wanted to recreate the scenes with my toys back in the day. And if I couldn't do that, I felt a little detached from it. Um, now I look at it and I'm like, man, it's so uh, bonkers, and 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 I, which I love. But at the same time, too, I'm like, okay, so this Cobra Law has been sitting on their asses for, you know, <laughs> better part of a couple years watching Cobra just get decimated all the time. <laughs> um, you know, I love, but I do appreciate and love that, like, Galobulus uh, says, you know, I'm the one that basically planted the seed in, in uh, Dr. Mindbender's head to create Serpentor. So Serpentor was always a creation of Cobra Law. I like that idea. And, and um, I know Diallo said you didn't like the retcon. I'm actually with you, Zach. I, I, I was like, oh, that works for me. I, I have sort of no problem with that retconning of, of Cobra and everything. You know, yeah, you yeah, know I what think it that... was? It wasn't so much... It was the way they handled the retcons, I think, a lot of times. It was, uh, it was like... Uh, do you think you were smart enough to do that, Doctor Mindbender? Like, oh, so, so you, yeah, the, the retcon kind of shits on Doctor Mindbender a little bit, and he doesn't even fight back. He's like, "Well, I guess I'm not smart enough to make Soprano." Yeah, so, okay. well, and it wasn't even well, it wasn't even Galobulus <laughs> yeah. it. It was like Destro. <laughs> I, well, I, will, and I will. I will say too. I'm like that is pretty. That is pretty next level genius to no figure out how to cre create a human uh this is pre you know cloning sheep so <laughs> that's impressive i i like i like the arise serpent or arise storyline um it, but if you look at the gi joe as a whole they all all of the miniseries anyways they all follow kind of a similar pattern there's some sort of technological device or technological thing that cobra wants and gi joe has to thwart it right like diallo was saying the mass device or the weather dominator or this uh, time it was the Serpent black entertainment television network yeah the bet <laughs> the, the bet right? <laughs> yeah it, it's it's all it all follows the same thing um and and, and bodhi's like why didn't G.I. Joe, when, when uh, Serpentor and, and Galobulus and company or whatever come in and invade uh, and get the BET, he's like, why didn't G.I. Joe just blow up the BET when they had the chance? I'm like, yeah, then the movie would have just been over, you know, <laughs> at that point, um, because that's all they needed, right, to, to, to germinate the, the, the pollinate those little spores. Um, it's way darker. So I think as an adult, you you appreciate it on a different level. You appreciate the, the animation more. You appreciate this, this bizarre storyline as much as I, on one hand, don't like that. They gave Cobra commander this like alienistic backstory at the same time too. I'm like, it's pretty badass. It's pretty, it's so wild that I kind of like it now. Um, I think, yeah, back in the day, again, I think I didn't like it so much back in the day because I didn't have the toys to recreate it at home. If I had, a snake version of Cobra Commander that I could wrap around Roadblock. Uh, and by the way, I'm not a fan of Roadblock's new uniform. I always like him in the tank top. I'm like, wait, you're giving him white pants? Oh, sorry, khaki pants? <laughs> like, no, he doesn't wear khaki pants. The guy's a badass, and you're giving him, like, a tech suit. I, that, like, new wave, someone said, I, I saw this online, 
the G.I. Joe series started going downhill where they introduced sci-fi. <laughs> like you introduce this neon. I like sci-fi. I helmet. like sci-fi. He was actually one of my favorite toys too. Cause it, yeah. Because his Robocop helmet. That's why I like His Robocop him. helmet. Yeah. And now the, the new version of the figure, if you paint him all black, he totally looks like the Wraith. Oh, um, cool. I'm just saying, just saying, but there's like, you don't make a neon soldier. I'm like, yeah, I get that. That might've been the beginning of the end for GI Joe. However, um, you, you know, don't do that to Roblox. Just give Roblox a more tactical vest. And there yeah. you go. Yeah. You know? And, and by uh, the way, another and one of my favorite Cobra toys was the Alley Viper. And that's like neon orange and blue. And, uh, and you know, I would love to own the declassified figure of him. But I'll never find that in stores. And I'm not going to pay $40 on eBay for it. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I loved the the neon sort of wave that kind of came after this. I actually really liked the toys post the movie, because um, I still remember walking into t- uh, Toys R Us. The like, I I literally can remember. I walked in, no idea, because mm, we had no internet back then, nothing. And I guess they just restocked with all the new toys. So I was like, I had seen all the same Joes for like you know a few years on the pegs and stuff. And then the whole new wave was there. And I remember that's when I got the Cobra Commander with the armor and everything. But I was just gobsmacked my eyes were just like holy shit all of these new characters so i zach i apologize but i just wanted to no. throw that out there because i think alley viper was like one of them stuff like that and i just i loved that that era i might not have loved the show as much like in season three but i loved those toys well in as much as i love i, I mean trust me i love all aspects gi joe if i had to remove one thing it would kind of be the emphasis on Sergeant Slaughter. I get yeah. mm-hmm. that he was, I get that he was like the draw, right? He was the draw for 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 like having a real person. But man, they if you go back to Arise Serpento or Arise when they introduce Slaughter, he's better than everybody, right? He takes out at one point he all the Joes pile up on Slaughter pile up on slaughter and slaughter just knocks them all off and you're like <laughs> come on now you know even flint uh or even even gung-ho or leatherneck so I, that to me was not i didn't like that too uh however as much as i'm not a huge fan of sergeant slaughter because let diallo knows this sergeant slaughter in real life was not that cool yeah. And and also at that point, and he was as a as a wrestler, he was at the stage of his career where he he was about to turn heel. A few years later, broke and, Zach's heart. Know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, broke my heart. Become like a, a, a you know a, sympathizer, a Iraqi sympathizer, and all this stuff. Uh, or you know, so anyways, when he kicks um, when he kicks Nemesis Enforcer's ass, that is a pretty awesome scene where he's like calling out all the the people that he's shouting out this is this is for gung ho and i appreciate that he's got a tremendous lisp too you know this is for the red white and blue this is for bazooka and alpine he's dropping elbows on i i love that actually because it's like no the villain has to get his ass kicked and he does but i want to ask you guys too the level of violence in this which is really amped up. I love it. Yeah, I, I was going to... The next thing that I was going to try to talk about was the action in this is, is fucking spectacular. But let's coincide that with the action slash the violence. And I'm going to throw out one of my favorite shots 
Uh, actually, I'll throw two of my favorite shots in 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 this in this movie. Um, one, it's when the helicopter that all of our new characters are in crashes through the roof of the, the through the building and everything. And I don't know how Chuckles survives that, but you know whatever. That's neither here nor there. But some great my new vice. Exactly, some great camera work as the camera kind of goes in and you see uh you know uh, long what's his name long long lob. Big lob? Uh, long big lob, lob. Yeah, big lob. Long lob. <laughs> hey, long he never lob. had a toy. Hey, you never had a toy, you know? That's what I'm saying. Hey, I know. I know. I'm with you, buddy. I always liked him, but I never knew his name because I didn't have a toy. Uh, I have I was, him now. So I was that kid that would be dropped off at Toys R Us by my mom or my stepmom while they went to the mall, like an actual separate building. They went over to the mall, and my stepmom would tell, like, say, like, she would tell anybody. Fucking, she would come back an hour later, and I would still be just in the boys' aisle, just reading the backs of GI Joes and, and yeah. everything. So, but yeah. the other favorite, no my, long lob, nope, no long lob. <laughs> my other fam- fam- favorite uh, sequence was when same exact action scene, but when the the scout bikes that they're on get blown up and like sort of the three Joes get hurt, but all the windshield shatter and there's like oh, so yeah. much glass effect the animation is spectacular so zach to to your point and then i'll throw it to diallo i was very impressed with the level of action in this in this movie uh there's there's quite a few set pieces um and i think they're all handled very very well uh and i think some of them are actually pretty fucking dark and violent but Nothing compares to the intro at all, and and that's obviously par for course with shows from this era, but I think it does a good job of maintaining a very high quality throughout the entire movie, you know, and, and a lot of that is the action. Uh, Diallo, what do you, I know you're not the biggest fan of the movie, but what did you think about the action set pieces? Well, yeah, so when they, when they had that first... Uh joe attack or no yeah with cobra attacked actually when joe was sitting there in the snow and uh cobra comes in and attacks actually i mean i thought i thought that sequence was was fine i thought it was great i think i am such an american that i am sort of disaffected by violence in movies i don't it doesn't almost doesn't even register for for me <laughs> so when i watch things i'm not necessarily like oh man that was that was really violent unless like they do something that's completely over the top um but yeah it, it it when they did have the action sequences it did really move um i think it just it you know it, they were so stark against the other scenes when they weren't doing anything the whole training with beachhead who I'm still convinced uh, Nick Cage um, was using his voice for Cameron Poe. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, there was there was. He's also the. Uh, he's also, by the way, he's also the uh, father of a character on Cops. One of the characters. Oh, in Cops. okay, cool. The cartoon, yeah, right? That, Obviously. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a there's a storyline connection between Cops, the cartoon Cops, and uh, and GI Joe. No I think shit. I do remember that. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I did well, not know well, that. Well, yeah, I'll look up his name really quick. Is it um, long arm? I'm, I mean, is it long arm? Is it's the... not long arm. Okay. Um, Interesting. Keep in mind, this was a future time. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's why he's just... the father. Um, uh, yes, the uh, uh, if you um, there, there's a the character's name is uh, Checkpoint. Oh, Checkpoint. I know. Okay, so he's Beachhead's son. Yep. So what did Hasbro just own the rights to both of them then? Yep. Okay. Wow. I guys and gals. First time I've I've learned about that one. Okay. Yep. Awesome. That that's the uh, that's the crossover between because people often say oh there's a crossover between GI Joe and cops. That's the that's the connection. They they hinted at it in his in his bio card on the back of his of checkpoints huh. cops card. He he had like a uh, a green outfit with like orange um helmet or something like that anyways very cool okay yeah. awesome sorry um, diallo didn't mean to yeah i mean derail you yeah no like it, it, it was like the action is great like it, again when i when i say i don't like the movie it, like I, I it's not me bashing it at all it just i watched it i watched it a number of times it's not like it's, it's just it doesn't quite do it for me but at the same time um there is a charm and there's a, a movement to it that last um action sequence is actually pretty like um on the edge of your seat um i do like how i feel and i maybe it's because of my knowledge of transformers the movie how characters are um the characters in that movie were actually killed that when I'm watching, um, you know, like that sequence with Gung Ho and I think Alpine was there and I think yeah. Bazooka, Bazooka, yeah. like you definitely felt like they were, <laughs> they were about to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they probably, you know, killed. yeah. And it's so you, you, even in the, in the opening sequence when those, um, guys get, uh, captured, you know, so those are, those were all things that were like kind of outside of what we normally saw. And I felt like there was a sense of peril that we don't normally have with GI Joe. Um, so, th- I mean, you know, it won in that regard. So, yeah, uh, I think to, to your point, the peril, um, when I saw snake eyes, like get captured and pretty much be very ineffectual, th- this mm-hmm. episode or this, this movie, that's when you knew, you knew shit was bad when snake eyes couldn't handle it. Yeah. Well, if, also, if you think, if you really think about it too, seventy-five uh, percent of this movie, the Joes are getting their asses kicked. Yeah. If you think about it, that the only time they get the upper hand is when, like Diallo was saying, that opening fight when um, Serpentor gets thrown into the BET. Right. That's the first time the Joes kind of get the upper hand, but then the Joes go to Cobra Law, and that, which is one of my favorite uh, violent moments when Snowjob gets ripped out of his, uh, yeah. his, uh, yeah. whatever Snowcat or whatever it's called. Yeah, by Nemesis uh, Enforcer. And he gets thrown on the ground and he's like a limp dick. Yeah. Like he just falls there. <laughs> and it, and it, I'm like, you just bitched out Snowjob for crying out loud. You know, uh, just the, the, also, I like the animation of that when he fall, flops to the ground. But, um, but yeah, the Joes get their asses kicked throughout most of this. The, the only time, you know, then and then they go into the training montage, like you said, with Beachhead. And then Falcon has his training montage with the Marauders. Um, and and then they get the upper hand at the Cobra base. But then they kind of don't, too. You know, like Falcon's getting his ass kicked in that a bunch of times. So there is like a... There is not a natural flow of like in Transformers, the movie, it has just a different vibe that way. You know, this was just a lot of like, oh, they're getting their ass kicked. Oh, they're getting their ass kicked. So, again, it goes back to that miniseries where they like, oh, this is the episode where the Joes get their asses kicked again. I'm not going to watch that one. 
question, Zach. Um, I always thought it was Sergeant Slaughter and the Marauders too, but in the movie they're called the Renegades. I, I thought the toys said Marauders. I, I, that's but... what I'm, to me it sounds actually more correct as Marauders. Um, so yeah, that that's I I I'm with you actually. Marauder sounds right to me. Uh, I think the 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 next like they came out they came out as the renegades but then they got re-released later as the marauders okay they repackaged like barbecue and low light and a couple other guys and and by the way i loved mercer i just thought it was such a cool concept to have a a cobra viper like turncoat and come over to the joes and like in like knowing that he's a cobra viper you look or ex cobra viper you look at his outfit and it's kind of like a modified viper outfit and as a kid i I just I thought that was so cool. I, I really actually wished that there was a, a, a Cobra member that was ex Joe, you know, and like oh, that would have been cool. That would have been cool. But like the idea that there was an ex uh, Cobra guy, Cobra Viper, you know, I thought that was really a neat thing. It kind of inspired my imagination, you know, to think about, OK, what are. Like, what are these soldiers, like, what is this army made up of? You know, like, what are these people, Cobra, what are they, like, fighting for? Like, how do you go and and find new members? Like, just, just the idea that one could change sides created this entire story in my head and uh and i thought that was really really cool well, you just reminded me of something because uh you guys remember dusty is an episode is in yeah. a two-parter called the traitor right yeah dusty was in tons of episodes of gi joe i don't think he's in this movie at all no i don't think he is either and i don't think spirit outside of the opening is in this movie at all no i don't think he is yeah i don't think he is either and you're like Dude, these were both two like big characters. I appreciate that that Quick Kick is is in this because I always love Quick Kick, um, and his introduction into the Joes is always hilarious because he's like didn't get paid from the director on a commercial set, so he joins the <laughs> Joes instead. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm with you, Corey. Like I wish they would have had a Joe deflect into becoming a Cobra uh, operative. They in the season three again, they've got like this guy named Scoop who's a former. He's like a He's a former television reporter or cameraman. Wait, or something. is that he the became... guy with the shitty ass fucking the worst toy like... ever? He has like a fucking scooper. Like he has a giant cam, not a camera. Do you it's know? A... What I'm well, yeah, he had a camera. Oh god, that's horrible. That's, it's that's terrible. Almost as bad as chuckles. That's almost. Well, as they bad had one dude who threw football grenades. You know, yeah. gridiron. Right. Gridiron. It's like, come on now. Yeah. But you know, it it just like it was so stupid, and but. Mercer is such a badass character, and and like I said earlier, I wish they would have made that would have been the new season of GI Joe. You know, we want to know the backstory on the the Renegades or the or the or the Marauders or whatever the fuck yeah. they're called. And, you know, and when I was a kid, I loved uh, one of my favorite toys was Crocmaster. I had him, oh, great and, character. and you know, like I love that. And I think he was a part of this sort of era, this this wave. Um, the the Cobra Boxer, boxer Big Boa. Yeah. I <laughs> loved Boa. Big Boa. I thought he was fucking cool. I know too. you love Big Boa. Baby. He was fucking <laughs> awesome, man. All these dudes were awesome, but this, yeah, you know. It's it's weird because I'm I'm sort of in the middle of both you guys. I'm more like I'm more was like Diallo growing up. I didn't quite love this movie and everything because again, 
watching it week or I'm sorry, watching it day by day, I guess it was the idea of knowing that like, oh, tomorrow's gonna be the 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 slower episode and then, you know, Friday <laughs> will be the the more fun finale episode. So I felt it was always kind of like a slog. But when I watch it now, um, after watching, you know, the free four K version on YouTube, I wanna go buy the the Blu-ray because it it does I mean, it kind of scratches the itch. Better than sort of popping in the the individual episodes, I could just watch this and sort of have that itch sort of scratched. And 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 as a standalone movie, I'm with you guys. I do in my head feel like this is sort of the end of GI Joe. I don't really need to sort of go forward with it. Um, I'd rather just go b- back and watch the the first two seasons of the show and then just have it end with this. Um, but as like a, a finale, as as a culmination of everything that I loved about GI Joe growing up, I thought that this had more hits than misses. But it's not perfect, and it doesn't feel like a movie the way Transformers the movie does. Uh, It feels more like individual episodes put together, but I still very much enjoyed my time with it, and uh, I I have no problem revisiting it in the future. Uh, Diallo, any final thoughts on on G.I. Joe the movie that we didn't bring up at all? Yeah, I think like kind of what you were just talking about how it felt like it was individual episodes. It's interesting to me because the original mini series and the one that followed it were definitely serial um, cliffhangers on every episode and they could all put together. It could make its own little movie, but this one was sort of like trying to do the same thing without actually placing it on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday schedule. So it just, it, I think that's one of the reasons why it, you're saying it feels like it's kind of a schlog. If they had have actually made like 30 or 20 minute blocks that actually had like a, a cliffhanger moment at the end. Um, so you had to go to the next day, it would, you would anticipate it more and you just don't really get that feeling with this one. Um, but anyways, Having said all the things that I said about it, I'm not necessarily a fan of it, but if someone was like, we need to watch this tomorrow, I would sit down and watch it again. So <laughs> that's just how it is. You'd watch you know? it with Bodie. Yeah. You'd I watch w- it with Bodie. I would, yeah. In a heartbeat. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Yeah. And, like it's a, and so, you know, that's just to say, like, you know, it's not my favorite thing, but like, I, I've, again, but I've also watched it many times. So it's not like, you know, um, it's not malignant. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) that's an inside joke between all of us. (laughs) And the funny thing is, I think I'm firmly between the two of you. Like, and I, 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 Zach, you'll have, yeah, you will always be firmly between the two of us. (laughs) Touche, touche, my friend. But yeah, I think my thoughts on my feelings about this movie, definitely like I'm in the middle between the two of you guys. Uh, if, if I'm correct in how I think, Zach is gonna uh, lay out his final thoughts here. So, what, uh, Zach, my man? What's your what's your final thoughts on GI Joe the movie? Well, I opened with saying that this is one of my favorite movies of all time. It, and, and I qualify that by saying, for me, what makes a movie a favorite of mine is something I can watch it over and over again and always have the same or similar nostalgic feels to the first time I saw it or the second or third. Um, you know. While I totally get that G.I. Joe is the real American hero, um, it's 
I look at it way bigger than that. I look at it as it's the ultimate battle of good versus evil every single time. And it's clear good guys. It's clear bad guys. And I love that. And I miss that. I miss, I, I understand why we have gray and it makes total sense to me, but I love just the, at the end, the good guy, the good guys always win. It's that Megaforce line, you know, uh, even in the eighties, God damn, they always win in the eighties, you know, forget about the fact that they're this American group. Uh, just, it's this group of like, it's multicultural on so many levels. Um, when to me in, in, in some ways it was the first introduction of like, you know, just, just a, a diverse cast, uh, and not just ethnically, but gender wise too. I thought that was so badass back in the day that the women were Zorana and, you know, Baroness are so equally badass. Lady J and, and, and Scarlet are kicking ass. I think it's so cool for kids to at least get this element at a time when you didn't necessarily see that. Um, so this movie just, just, you know, it gets buttoned up at the end with doc saying Duke's going to be a okay or whatever, you know, out of his comb, which, <laughs> which is really, which is so silly on one hand, but at the other hand, I'm like, no, this is all good. You know, uh, I would have preferred the final shot to be of the whole cast versus just Jinx and Falcon. But I love the idea that Jinx is Storm Shadow's, you know, uh, sister. And by the way, Storm Shadow not present at all. In this. <laughs> yeah, Storm Shadow right. not present at and all. And oh, that yeah. makes me wonder, though, like, okay, this is when the next season would be Storm Shadow coming back as a good guy because he eventually in story in the comics too, right? He joined yeah. the Joes. Yeah. Um, I love that toy, by the way, this, the good guy Storm Shadow where he had the sort of the white hood and that those weird angular square, uh, gray lines on him. Yeah. And so, yeah. I thought that yeah, was kind of Like neat. a snow, a snow S- shadow, sort of. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I just, th- this movie's so nostalgically fuzzy. In, in a good way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's that worn out stuffed animal that looks like shit, but it smells good still and you just want to cuddle it. Yeah. So uh, that's how I feel about it. You know, I just I just love G.I. Joe the movie. Um, hands down any day, give it to me over something else because it, 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 it just checks all the boxes for me. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely appreciate it more what they're trying to do with it now than I did uh, as a kid. And I kind of like understood what they were trying, like the, the bad guys were trying to do and stuff. But as a kid, I, I kind of didn't get it. And I was kind of scared. And especially when they showed you what was going to happen. But, but yeah, it's, it's a fun movie, but it's, it's not, Terrifying. it's not perfect. Um, but it's definitely fun. And I had so much fun talking about it uh, with the two of you, as I always do on TV Obscura. I absolutely adore this show. Um, But Diallo, what you got going on out there in the world, my man? How are things going with uh, the the First Noel Chronicles? First Noel Chronicles is rocking and rolling, Um, getting the next couple chapters wrapped up, and we'll be releasing them on podcast and then giving you the text version on kindle vela and uh still working on uh some exciting stuff potentially with the angel in the dark behind the scenes hopefully we'll be able to make an announcement uh you know in the next few months and then uh working on ears still which will be a hundred page graphic novel that is fun for kids of all ages 
<laughs> I love it. I've been I've been waiting for ears to hit uh, ever, as long as I've known you, my friend. Yeah, so, it's been a and labor I, and I, of love, man. I know, and I love and I love Angel in the Dark, and I love the first Noel Chronicles, and I am so happy to see you rocking and rolling, my man. Uh, Zach, what's uh, what's going on with two dollar Lafey these days, my man? Martial arts madness there you is go. in full effect over at $2 Late Fee. So by the time this episode drops, we are running down our top five favorite moments from the Karate Kid trilogy. Um, Dustin and I are joined with a documentary filmmaker named Derek Johnson, Derek Wayne Johnson. He directed a, a documentary about John G. Adelson called King of the Underdogs. Highly recommend everybody check it out. It's free on Tubi. Uh, or if you want to support independent filmmakers, it, you can order it on Amazon or, you know, uh, or just get it, watch it on Tubi and you like it and you just buy the whole thing. It's great. Um, he joined us in a lively discussion about our favorite Karate Kid moments and um, in typical Dustin fashion, it's not what you would expect would be a top five moment. Uh, and then this month is packed. We've got an episode every week coming out. So we've got an interview with Jeff Speakman from The Perfect Weapon coming out. And we're doing a live episode with Don the Dragon Wilson. Um, so lots of stuff going on at $2 late fee. Martial arts madness in full effect, baby. Nice, nice. And of course... Uh, this month in March on The Carpenter Factor, a Patreon-exclusive show for Podcasting After Dark, uh, we are going to be tackling Halloween with our pal David Irons. So we, we plan on having him on the show. But if you, uh, you want to dive into The Carpenter Factor, we already have our first two episodes up, Dark Star and Assault on Precinct 13. Two very lively discussions and uh, very thoughtful as well, I think. I hope at least. And um, the goal for, for The Carpenter Factor is for Zach and I to basically walk through John Carpenter's entire catalog of films and that includes his two made for tv movies and his uh showtime movies body bags and uh, his last movie the ward so we're gonna walk through every single one of them up until i think we planned it out until next year almost the end of 2023 and every month we're going to tackle a different movie in order that that he basically produced them in and created them in and uh, they're not full breakdowns but they are discussions as zach and i do and uh we hope you guys enjoy them because we have a lot of fun doing them and at the end of it we're trying to figure out what exactly is the carpenter factor yeah what is it is it memoirs of an invisible man <laughs> is it is it the ghosts of mars uh, oh, we don't gosh. know we'll see we'll see but uh we're having fun on the patreon uh, page and of course you can uh check out any episode of cartwright a seinfeld podcast a show that i do with our pal adam and uh we've gone through every single episode of seinfeld and we are about uh, I guess a quarter of the way through season eight. So we're barreling towards the end, but we're also tackling Kirby enthusiasm on the Cartwright Patreon. So we hope everybody, you know, checks out, uh, you know, support your favorite shows. If you, you know, we know that a lot of people are supporting us and we also know the same people are supporting $2 late fee, but you know, if you like Cartwright support that one, if you, you know, whatever shows you like support them because, you know, without art, guys and gals, without artists, it's going to be a bleak fucking future. So, uh, support well, and also, Corey, aren't you, Corey, aren't you, uh, after, after you're done with Cartwright, aren't you doing uh, a new show called 
come and knock on my door. You're breaking down every episode of uh, Three's Company. That, that is not true, but I'm not against that idea. That would be pretty fucking awesome. And great that's title. Actually, that's actually a great title. Uh, great I might title. cut this. I might cut this because I want to. I might want to save that for myself. So uh, I'm saying, I'm saying, good one. That's a that's a good one, buddy. That's a good one. Uh, but uh, we hope you all enjoyed the, this episode of TV Obscura. Real quick, I had a really good. You were talking about David Irons. I had a really good chat with him the other day about uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ah. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> David Irons he's, has he's got hot takes on yeah. some very controversial uh, choices of his likes and dislikes of current uh, horror films. Yeah, <laughs> our our pal David Irons, who wrote Seven Winners Alone, a book that that we are publishing. So go. Uh, speaking of supporting your favorite artists, go check out. Uh, go pick up a copy of Seven Winters Alone on so Amazon. Good. But uh, we have also some fun stuff uh, coming up with David Irons in the very near future. And uh, yeah, g- good stuff all around. But uh, a great episode of TV Obscura, if I do say so myself. And uh, I love love that we had a chance to to dive into GI Joe. I don't think this would be the last, you know, you, you've heard of G.I. Joe from us because I have a laundry list of things that I wanted to talk about and didn't get a chance to in this episode. And, uh, you know, I mean, G.I. Joe is near and dear to all of our hearts. So maybe we'll do, uh, we, were, we were talking offline, maybe uh, once the, the new IDW uh, Sunbow G.I. Joe inspired, like, continuation of the cartoon is done um, with their first trade, we were thinking about maybe doing a, a discussion review view of that as well so more gi joe in the future right zach oh yo joe <laughs> yo, joe motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that i think that series is called the like the saturday morning uh series or something like that yeah um, you you and i talked about it a little bit on this the last month's wrap up after dark and 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 also too to piggyback on that comic book series and to what diallo said earlier about the uh one, one of his favorite um episodes the of of the comic book with uh, snake eyes and it's all silent yeah um they're doing a uh later this year they're doing a 40th anniversary of that comic yes each page is going to be illustrated by a different illustrator that's cool uh and it's going to be really cool and so um, I, I, I'm blanking on the name for some reason. I don't know why. But anyways, I, uh, yeah, that's coming out soon as well. I like it when uh, comic book companies do that. Uh, you have like a different artist draw each page. It's that, That's really cool. Um, yeah, there, there's, there was a lot of GI Joe stuff in the news lately because the, um, like Hasbro pulse, the once a year they do a GI Joe thing and they announced a bunch of new declassified stuff. So I think that's also what inspired us to kind of get in a GI Joe mood. Cause all that kind of came out last week, but yeah, guys and gals, GI Joe near and dear to our heart. Won't be the last time you hear about it from us. So, well, and no hopefully we'll have Fern on in the future. Maybe we can talk about transformers, the movie, but until then, as always, Until next time, catch you on the flip side. (laughs) Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. 
and visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Thank you.